Well, hello, and welcome back to Elevate Ordinary. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi. And I'm Teresa Grodi. And we're back with another extraordinary conversation about the ordinary pursuit of truth, goodness, and beauty here in marriage and family life, this primordial institution that God has created, this this fundamental vocation through which the Lord brings new people into the world, builds them up into saints, and renews his church. It all happens here in the family. We've been talking, actually, the last few episodes about the family and the power of the family and building up the engine that is the family. Check out those episodes at elevateordinary.com. But today uh, we're digging into... Cleaning. Cle- cleaning, yes. And yes. theology of the body. Theology of the body and cleaning. <laughs> Love it. Okay, Love it. so the reason why I chose this topic yeah. is because we have like a little flowers slash hospitality girls group at our parish that our girls participate in. And quite often I come to a topic... And I'm like, I'm going to rewrite this. <laughs> Not because I don't like it, but because I really like to take stuff from my own life mm-hmm. and talk about it. So I had the last topic left over because mm-hmm. I was coming from, I didn't go to the planning meeting. And the last topic left over was how to clean a room, <laughs> which is so ironic because our whole like basis of ministry is not cleaning when people come over. So I was like, well, I can't. As a family. As a family. I can't we read don't, from this book. For those who were coming in late to this, as a family. Yeah, we don't clean when we, we have people over. We don't go overboard with cleaning when people come over because we want to put them at ease. Unless our dog is shedding. We want to embrace messy hospitality. So that's that's what she's referring yeah. to. Yeah. So I was just like, I can't read from this book because I don't practice any of this. And all of the moms know I don't practice it. And all of the kids know we don't practice it. So I was like trying to like rethink the topic. And I realized that this topic is actually incredibly personal, deep for me, and has gone through my entire life. So I thought I would share it because it's my show. (laughs) I hate that voice and I do that voice all the time. (laughs) Sorry. Um, So the topic is how to clean a room. Mm -hmm. Okay. Why do we clean? Okay. Why do we clean? My cleaning story. I don't have okay. the answer for that. Well, do you have anything to say about cleaning before I get into Not my yet. long no, monologue? No, you, you, uh, you dig us into it and I'll, okay. I'll dig us out. So my cleaning story. I grew up poor. Okay. So my parents worked really, really hard to send me and my siblings to Catholic school. We never got anything we wanted. Okay. If people were doing, like everybody was buying a new outfit for something... I wasn't getting a new outfit. I don't even know where my clothes came from. I'm pretty sure they were all hand-me-downs. You know, like if they were going on a field trip, it was like bag lunch. I don't participate in anything else that, you know, everybody else participates in. I am just like bare minimum, whatever the school can send me with, you know, it's like my thing. Um, Always packed my lunch. And sometimes we didn't even pack lunches. (laughs) We just kind of ate whatever other people would give us. (laughs) Okay. So, I mean, like we were, we were poor. Okay. So my... My only way to look at the future as somebody who is like a really ambitious future oriented temperament, okay, was that I had to make it happen, okay? And you can't get a job legally until you're 15 and a half, at least when I was a kid. Um, And so the only thing I had was me. And I had to kind of make that work, you know? So um, my parents had a business and at that business, you know, I'd help clean and count lines and take the the work, the transcription work into the doctor's offices and pick it up and all that kind of stuff. Um, But when I got to high school, 
they had a work study program, which basically meant like I just cleaned my high school. Um, everything from like raking leaves, doing yard work, cleaning statues. It was a Catholic church or a Catholic school, um, scrubbing the floors, vacuuming classrooms, you know, wiping gross stuff, gum off of underneath, mm, you know, yes. desks and um, erasing tediously stuff out of textbooks, like anything that they would give me, I would do. Okay. And that's how I worked through high school. And then when I was legally able to get a job, I got a job at a restaurant, worked there for five years and I cleaned, I cleaned and I cleaned and I cleaned and I cleaned in my spare time because it was fun and I could do it, you know? Um, and I rose in the ranks because I wasn't lazy, right? Like I didn't just complain about the section that I got and only took care of my tables at a bare minimum. Like I was really attentive to detail. And I, and part of that was because I had already served in some capacities, you know? Um, and I really have learned to love cleaning. Like when I teach my kids how to clean, um, I just, I love teaching them methods and I love walking them through the why and the how, and, you know, like, it's just, it's very enjoyable for me to clean. Now I have six kids, so cleaning is less enjoyable now because it's more just like an avalanche and you're never quite climbing <laughs> out of it. Um, but I, I really enjoy cleaning. Okay. So cleaning is a gift. It's a gift to the other people, right? Cleaning is a gift to the other people. And early on, I realized that my body was all I had and it was a gift. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right? So you had you were primed for theology of the body yeah, just by- because I realized that my body had potential. My body, I, I know this sounds like a streetwalker, but this is not what I'm intending. Like <laughs> my body was all I had to get myself forward. Okay. So whatever job other people didn't want, I would like happily accept because I wanted to do good. I wanted to keep doing this. You know, I wanted my education at the prep school that we couldn't afford. You know, um, a lot of members of my family were telling me that I should just go to the local public school, but I didn't want that. Like I wanted something that would set me up for ultimate, and not that the public school is bad, but it was just, I wanted the college prep school because I wanted to go to college. Um, so Theology of the body teaches us that everybody is a gift. We have these beautiful board books um, by Tobit, Theology of the Body, something or other. Something, um, something like that, yeah. yeah. Everybody is a gift. God made us to love is the title of one of the books. When you use your body to help someone, you are a gift. And this is what the, the, the book teaches, the little board book for toddlers. It's, I mean, it, it blew my mind. The first, I, I almost cried the first time I read this toddler board book series on theology of the body. Using our body to bless someone else is what we are made for. Mm -hmm. Do you want to interject? Yeah, I just, I mean, I think it's good in the context of this topic on cleaning and, and bringing up the theology of the body that like reminding us that we always have to like do continual maintenance on our Catholic worldview because we slip into heresies like real practical atheism real yeah, fast, real, real easy, real fast. And one of those that theology of the body pushes back against is that we, we start to think of ourselves 
as just spirits who just kind of happen to be trapped in bodies, you know, and someday will transcend this. What does, what does Yoda say in Star Wars? You wouldn't know because you don't like Star Wars. He says, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, angel, uh, beings of light are we, not these fleshy something. I don't know what he says. But the point is he is expressing this ancient sort of Manichaean Gnosticism that sees body as kind of bad or extra or dirty and the spirit is what's real. And that's not Christianity. Christ came down and took on flesh and sanctified it and sacramentalized it. Uh, and that, and we recognize that that was God's plan from the beginning is that he didn't make us spirits trapped in bodies. He made us human beings, which are body and soul both. And so you have never had a point in your entire life that you've done something without your body. Even when you think you are, when you're just studying or you're just praying and you think of it as just an intellectual or a spiritual thing, your body is involved. You are using your body. You're kneeling, you're folding your hands, you're shutting your eyes, you're you're doing stuff with your whole person. You've never actually been a disembodied spirit. So the point is that that's, that reality is something that Christianity takes very, very seriously. We have this sacramental worldview. We have this theology of the body because we simply want to embrace the reality of God's creation. And the reality is that this is how he's made us and this is how he chooses to work. And so we talk about something like cleaning or talk about the edge of the body. And we talk about this language of the body as a gift. This is God's design, mm -hmm. you know, and we, to our peril, let that slip away and just begin to think of ourselves as spirits or minds mm -hmm. or brains. No, no, we are human beings and we are to make a gift of our body. And so that's, that's this theology of the body. It's, it's not a secondary side thing. It is really important. Yeah. Waitressing was a, an excellent primer for theology of the body too, because you're not selling a product. Okay. People are hungry and they come there to eat and your job is to match them with the kind of food that they want. I mean, plain and simple, there's not a lot of sales to it. Right. You know, you can suggest a special or whatever, but you're really not selling people something that they don't want or don't need, you know? And so it's like, I, I'm, I, as the waitress, and bringing them their food, yes, and satisfying their needs and their body is being nourished. But I learned really fast that my personality and my service was bound up to whether or not they left happy, whether or not my manager was happy, whether or not I made a tip on that table and whether I made a good tip on that table was all, and whether or not they came back and requested my section, not just because they wanted to talk to Teresa, but because they knew they would be served. Mm. They knew they would get what they came for, right? They knew that me, my physical body would stand in the mediation that it was supposed to. I, I mean, it sounds like I'm making too much out of this, but it's not the case at all. I ended up waitressing for 10 years. And like my attitude and my service to those people changed people's attitudes coming in you know, and that was insanely powerful in like the best sense, you yeah. know, not in a, like, I'm going to walk out of here with 200 bucks today, but like, like I, I profoundly changed those people Yeah, and it, and bringing my unique gift, which is my embodied spirit. That is that heresy Just embodied spirit. <laughs> Just yourself, Spirit, your whatever, yourself. bringing my gift of self, which is both <laughs> body and soul to the people encountering their body and soul. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it was just yeah. this, it's this beautiful gift that I was given for 10 years to be able to be yeah. a waitress yeah. and to serve people. 
in some sense, this, again, that, that idea, exploring that phenomenon of that work experience you had and, you know, this topic of cleaning and theology of the body. I mean, this is bound up with precisely what the emphasis of this show is. Talk about the elevating the ordinary. I mean, what, there's nothing more ordinary than bodies and cleaning and just like the, the things that we have to do every day with our hands and our feet. And again, it's so easy to begin to dismiss those or not think that they're important. But one of the insights of Christianity is that there's just no small things. And the body is the least, <laughs> you know, the, the, the least so. I mean, it was through Christ taking on flesh and loving us with his body and making of his body a sacrifice, you know, that salvation came to the world. And so that's, <laughs> there's so many ordinary things that we're trying to elevate on this show to discover the truth in here. We're looking at cleaning today, but this is yeah. like a quintessential topic because that's, that's really this thing that we miss all the time, these little ordinary things that we just kind of gloss over. Yeah. 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 So I love cleaning. I love service. Less so when you're overwhelmed. I get it. I'm not like, our house is not clean. Okay. <laughs> I definitely it's take breaks. It's clean sometimes for like five minutes. It really is. And I, and I swear, like 10 minutes later, <laughs> it's all back to the way it was. <laughs> we could have our toy room cleaned spotless. And then a few hours later, someone yeah. comes into our house and I take them to the toy room like, and there's like how? 40 eaten apple cores how? in there. And I'm like, I just, we didn't even clean that this. many apples. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these are from last week. We found them oh, behind gosh. the bookshelf. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> yeah. So you are born into a family. Yeah. This is what I told the kids, the girls. You're born into a family and your body has needs. Your mom and dad fed and clothed you and kept you alive. Your parents cared for your body. I think I asked the kids and I ask our kids sometimes, like, what would happen if we didn't take care of Mary Prudence? After she came out of mommy's body, what would happen? She would die. Oh. So what, like, how does she not die? We take care of her. Yeah. You know, when I learned that, I learned that probably when I was 20, <laughs> you know, cause you kind of like come to maturity and then you're like, oh, I was born a 16 year old, completely capable of living in this world. <laughs> Who are you mom? Why can't I wear this? I remember thinking that of my mom, like, how dare she tell me that I can't wear something that says I'm a flirt. <laughs> <laughs> like as if I'm just this person just that popped, popped into, into existence. existence yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so God gave us the fourth commandment to honor our mother and our father. Though you are still young, you're very capable of using your body to help your family and you have a duty to do so. We work so that we can be free from work. I think that's, that's not Joseph Pieper, is it? It fits with his thing. Okay. So, I was encouraging the children that you can work to contribute to your family's ability to be without work for a time. Okay. Easy. Yeah. So, I mean, like that's, I was trying to, I don't want to dumb it down, but I, I wanted them to get it yeah. right. That like, we're not just working only because I want my education the way I want it or only yeah. to put a roof over our head. We are, mm -hmm. but that ultimately we all pitch in, in the community. You know, when you think of like small villages, they all pitch in and hire a butcher and everybody butchers their, you know, their yeah. pigs at the same time. And then you have a huge party and everybody looks forward to that pig slaughtering party. And so you yeah. work so that you, everyone can participate in the leisure. Yeah. Let me crack that open just a little bit more because that, that that's a sentiment that sounds really weird to our modern ears. And again, Joseph Pieper 
uh, my homeboy, uh, has uh, this great book. He says book. that about you too. <laughs> you really, really? You has, yeah. oh, that's great. Okay. Uh, God rest his soul. I'm sorry. I'm so flippant. Leisure, anyway. the basis of culture is the name of the book, you know, but a lot of his thesis there is, is and it's not really a thesis. I mean, it's, this is just, this is just the Bible. This is just our faith that the deepest, the deepest thing isn't our work, but God's gift. Right. And, and part of the reason that God gives us a Sabbath day is because without the Sabbath day, we start to forget that this isn't about me and my work and pulling myself up by bootstraps and saving my own soul. It's that, no, no, God has given me everything. And my work is, is a, is a gift from him too. My putting myself to good work in carrying out his work is, is good. But then my work ultimately is for the Sabbath. Like we work so that we then can set aside and on the Sabbath we're with God. It's ultimately, it's about relationship. It's about presence. It's about, it's about true leisure and worship. The work is for that. It's not the other way around. In our modern mind, and this is what Peeper points out, in our modern mind, it's the exact opposite. We rest on Sunday and, and maybe Saturday in order to be more ready to go out and do more work. And that's the world's way of thinking, because again, in the, in the world's way of thinking, this is all there is. And so our work is all that there is. And the only reason we rest is so that we can do more work and so that we can try to accomplish more. But we know as Christians that the deepest thing is in our work, but God's gift, everything is an exitus reditus, a God sending forth and us giving back to God. He gives to us and we give back to him. And so our work is important, but it's important as a gift back to God through other people mm -hmm. and, and, and through through the tasks he's given us. And it's ultimately oriented towards bringing both ourselves and other people to a place of true leisure that is resting in God, resting in each other, in our relationship and mm -hmm. being together. That's, that's what it's oriented towards. And so anyway, that's, that's what's meant by the, yeah. That. yeah. Lately, I don't know if uh, it's just been some grace kick, but I've been keeping counters more clean hmm. in our kitchen Yeah, because everything happens in our kitchen. Yeah. Eating and everything, everything <laughs> happens in our kitchen. So like when the two tables that are in our kitchen and the counters are not clean, it mm -hmm. really slows things down um, and makes us less creative. That was something I noticed. Like we are less creative when mm -hmm. our two tables and our counter are just full of crap. Right. Other places can be full of crap. Sorry. Stuff. The crap drawer. Can yeah. Be full of crap. But like if these tables and the counters are we, I, it's just a sludge. Like I just don't even want to move and nobody gets anything done. So yeah, I've, that's, it's contributing to the leisure, right? right. It's contributing right. to the happy time at the table Yeah. when we're forcing our kids to eat the food that they loved yesterday and hate today and homeschooling, <laughs> right? Yeah. Which happens around our table as well. It, I have one more thing is <laughs> that in, when we, when we do in obedience to God, when we take that Sabbath day and we remember the reality that the deepest thing is God's gift, not our work. Well, then what, what happens is then our, our prayer, our leisure, our worship informs our work and not the other way around. Mm -hmm. In other words, we go back out to our work and suddenly our work is able to be more of a sacrament, more of a mm -hmm. prayer of itself. Cause we remember, oh, this isn't about me doing everything by myself. Whatever. No, this, this is about an act of love. Mm -hmm. This is a prayer. This is a gift back to God. So yeah. the, the, the Sabbath informs our work. Yeah. I was kind of thinking as we were talking and I'm not sure how this fits, hmm. but we were talking a little bit about pendulums. Well, just how, how your life sometimes vacillates between fastidiousness and liberality, hmm. you know, yeah. but that I, I have these times where 
the party aftermath is what I'm looking forward to. But it doesn't feel sinful. It feels like an abundance of, it's kind of like the best part about Ash Wednesday is when it's over. Oh, because you're fasting, right. But, but, but not in like the selfish way, okay? It's like that the death is over and now it's the life. Well, this is what they didn't understand when they, again, they, they questioned Jesus and the disciples when they were eating grains, they were picking and eating grains on the Sabbath day, right? Because Jesus turns to them and said, guys, you know, you don't fast when the bridegroom is with you. Right. And the, and they didn't get that both because they didn't understand that Jesus Christ was Lord, but also because they didn't understand the, the, the subtleties here of the nature of work and the nature of mm -hmm. true leisure and, and worship. Well, it almost feels like yeah. mass obviously is the passion, death and resurrection of Jesus, but like it's the, it's the passion. And then it's really precious when we take our kids to get their Sunday treat. Mm. It's really precious. It's like, it's an extension of the life that comes from the mass. Right. You know, anyway, that's yeah. not. You know, no, I mean, no, that, that's good. I mean, it, it's also just the reality too that um, whatever mass is truly in its essence, the reality is also that our experience of it as a as a family, this 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 period of our life is often one of messiness and you know holding toddlers and a bunch of stuff. And so it's you know sometimes we get glimpses of the reality that's going on there, but sometimes it's also just it's getting through this obligation really out of love for God. Um, and then we do, we do look forward to, you know, going and treating the family afterwards. Yeah. So Okay. Tangent over. Yeah. over. Okay. I'm going to read a story about Mother Teresa. Cool. Many years ago in Cal Calcutta, India, I had a chance, this man who's saying this, I had a chance to meet Mother Teresa. She was an incredible woman with an incredible force of personality. When she walked down the street, the crowds parted in front of her like the Red Sea. Yet when you talked to her, you meant if you mentioned the tremendous things she's done, she almost never engaged in the topic at all. By many reports, if you asked her what her greatest achievement was, she would answer, I'm an expert in cleaning toilets. To uh, toilets had to be cleaned, so she cleaned them. There was no question of a job being beneath her. Helping people who needed her help was work, and there was nothing higher, nothing in the world more important than that. So one day when an ele elegantly dressed man came to Calcutta looking for Mother Teresa, the nuns who answered the door informed him that she was in the back of the house cleaning the toilets. They pointed the way and indeed he found Mother Teresa scrubbing the toilets. She said hello, assumed he was there to volunteer, and began explaining to him how to hold the toilet brush correctly and how not to waste water. Then she put the brush in his hand and left him standing there in his expensive suit alone in the lavatory. Later she came out and Mother Teresa found Mother Teresa Later, the man came out, found Mother Teresa again and said, I have finished. May I speak with you now? Yes, certainly, she said. He took an envelope out of his pocket and said, Mother Teresa, I am the director of this airline and here are your tickets. I just wanted to bring them to you personally. That airline director told this story again and again for the rest of his life. He said those 20 minutes spent cleaning the toilets had filled him with the greatest joy he had ever known because by putting his hands to Mother Teresa's work, he became a part of the work. He cared for the sick just as he did with his own hands and his own sweat. He didn't clean the mm. toilets mm -hmm. with his intellect yeah. or his prayers. Yeah. He cleaned them with his hands. Yeah. Right. That's beautiful. Um, so what if, I asked the girls this, what if you always volunteered for the grossest job? What if you always took the job that no one wanted? 
what if you were eager and first in line for the hardest work? You know, sometimes I feel the most generous when I'm cleaning up vomit. <laughs> we did that the other day. We did do that the other day. <laughs> you, you did most of it. You just got an act for that sort of thing. Yeah. But it's like, well, no, I do. I feel the most generous because I know that that person's, my kid's really suffering. This isn't like a temper tantrum. Like they are really suffering, (laughs) you know? Mother Teresa said, we are at Jesus's disposal. If he wants you to be sick in bed with your body, if he wants you to proclaim his works in the streets, if he wants you to clean toilets all day, that's all right. Everything is all right. We must say, I belong to you. You can do whatever you'd like. And this is our strength. This is our joy in the Lord. Yeah. So even if you, if God wants you to be sick in bed, hmm. you still have a body and you still have a responsibility to be in that body, being sick in bed the best way that you can. Right. Yeah. That's our, that's our whole postpartum episode. Right. Right. Is that this is a time for my body to heal, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Anything to say? Um, well, just, yeah, I think as we, I think there is something about, again, getting that, that order of operations correct in our mind that we're working, we're working out of love. We're working as a gift. We're working towards uh, leisure and the Sabbath, you know, and, and worship and, and all that. And that in those things, then we, we discover that even deeper, you know, the, the deeper meaning of our work. You know, it's able to be more of a prayer, more of a gift. Um, and I think, again, in the spirit of elevating ordinary things, I think, too, we often underestimate um, when we're able to look at work and even simple work, you know, or apparently simple work like cleaning, not as a drudgery, but as a gift. Then that we also discover, like, there's creativity there, yeah. you know, oh, that we... that was my next... Go ahead. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. no, no, no. That was, that was from... Magic basket, but I can do that later. Gaudium et spes. No, yeah. no, no, do... By our labor, I I shortened it. There was a big, long paragraph, but this was for the eight-year-old girls. By our labor, we are unfolding of of the creator's work. So God gave us bodies, and through our bodies, we continue his creative work in this world. God creates through our labor. Cleaning is a creative act, not simply working. You are making it beautiful. You are making it right and comfortable for yourselves and others so that you can be at leisure. Become an expert in doing the dishes. Become an expert at making your bed. You are participating in creation. Make it beautiful. Yeah. I'm a a big fan of Jordan Peterson. You know, one of his his whole things is, you know, make your bed, right? Make your, clean up your room. But but he digs into that a lot deeper and talks about it. Like you, you need to have a place in your life, you know, start with one room of your house and just make it the most beautiful you can. Right, just just go all out, and and you're going to learn a lot in the process. But like, you recognize that that again, there's no small things here to make mm-hmm. something beautiful by cleaning it, by setting it mm-hmm. right, setting it in order. That's an aesthetic act. That's a creative. That's an artistic act. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's as as we pointed out before. Chesterton talks about you know your property. Property is the art of democracy. It's it's the normal person's art. We're not all artists. We're, we're surrounded by some beautiful art in the studio. There's some paintings uh, from our good friend Michelle over there on the wall. I think Sophia did these. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. We're not all artists like that. But if we have a family, we recognize that 
all the aspects of family life, that's our art. That's my canvas. Mm-hmm. You know, my cleaning, my my building, my teaching, that's that's the art that God's given to me. Um, and the more we embrace it, the more we see it rightly, we elevate it, the more that that comes out of it. This is a weird, goofy example. But, you know, one of the, one of the things that we, if you have repetitive tasks, things you have to do over and over again, you know, part of the fun, if you can, if you can manage to see it, is to look at the task and say, how can I, how can I do it better? How can I do it more efficiently next time? And be always kind of revising your process. And the last uh, half year or so, I, the, the kids now know if I refer to the magic basket, go get the magic basket. Because <laughs> we, we came up with this technique of when we were, I was, cause I was trying to solve this problem of like, you know, if you keep up with the tidying, you can tidy up a room pretty quickly, you know. Mm-hmm. But if it gets past a certain point, then suddenly it, it's this big daunting task. And why is that? Well, it's because you you pick up something and you recognize, okay, that needs to go all the way over there. So you go put it away and you pick up something else. Well, that needs to go over there. And you can kind of combine, but it involves... And then you find something else on the way that you have to clean. And, then and you so you just thing. go yeah. over the place. And, and I recognize that one of the daunting aspects of that, especially for the kids, is that like, oh, you have to make a thousand decisions and a thousand trips. And I was like, oh, there's got to be a way to simplify that. So I, I, I designated this one basket in our house, the magic basket. Mm-hmm. And I taught the kids, okay, if you're dealing with a room that's, that's just too cluttered, start by clearing the floor entirely. Yeah. Just put it all in a basket. It could take you, you know, three minutes. Just put everything in the whole room that's on the floor in a basket and then pause for a moment and enjoy the beautiful floor, right? Look at, look at the beautiful clear floor. And then, well, what do you have? Well, now you have all the clutter in one spot and you can take out all the playing cards and put them in one place. All the socks and laundry, put it in the laundry. Mm-hmm. All the game pieces, Back the, and you only have to make one decision for each mm. and one trip for each. Yeah. And so it's, it's a no, silly it, little example. A, no, it's a really, yeah. But I was just talking to the kids like, hey, this is this is part of the fun of these jobs is that you look at them, you creatively say, how can I, you know, strategically do this? You know, uh, anyway, go ahead. Yeah. No, I don't have anything else. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So and to end that lesson, yeah. because I wasn't going to have them clean a room, we ended up cleaning the church. Nice. And oh my gosh, those girls were like, when they heard that some a group gets together routinely once a month and cleans the church, they were like, but we don't even know when that is. How will we know when to show up? When can we do this? Can we do this all the time? And they were just like, these are the dustiest things I have ever seen. I bet no one has ever cleaned these. And I'm like, yes, you're probably right. You are probably the first person who's gotten down there on those pews and dusted that artwork. And they were just like, and they just like went to work. I mean, it's, it's, it, it does, it brings out, cleaning brings out something in you. I don't only know. Only if you see it rightly, right? Yeah. Only if you elevate it. Only if you see it in the light of eternity. Branding, of right? Grace. That's right. There. Hashtag. Yeah. Hashtag brand. <laughs> I don't even know what a hashtag, I forgot Twitter existed the other day. Well, thank you for joining us for this episode of Elevate Ordinary. Again, we'd love to know your thoughts on any of these any of these topics, especially all these little practical aspects of, of home and marriage and family life. You know, how are you finding ways to, to elevate the seemingly ordinary things? Because we know that there's not truly any ordinary things. It's all it's all extraordinary in the light of grace. And so let us know what you think. We'd love to love to hear from you. You can check out elevateordinary.com for more information about the show and about Awakened Catholic as well as the archives for the show, past episodes. Check those out as well. So again, this has been Elevate Ordinary, extraordinary conversations about the ordinary pursuit of truth, goodness, and beauty. Thanks for being here. We'll see you again soon. God bless.